what's up guys jared again here with the shooting institute this is our uh, second uh, podcast or our second edition still have steven nicks over here uh, i still haven't figured out how to run the podcast on my own yet so we do have him I'm over here. here facilitating that's right um and he will be helping again keep me on track so we don't have a three-hour long podcast we can kind of keep this condensed so y'all got y'all get a, a lot of information uh, but in an amount of time that you can actually stand to hear me talk about it. That's right. In, in episode one, we, you know, we kind of talked about just exactly, you know, what is TSI. We talked about uh, s- some other things. Uh, introduced myself. Talked about how green I am, how excited I am to really learn about training in this process as well. So, uh, but but some of the things we kind of went over was, you know, hearing that term. I've heard it. Simplifying the chaos. Jared really explained that exactly what it means. We talked about how you can implement that process and that term into the training as well. And we also talked about, you know, some of the non-negotiables when it comes to uh, simplifying the chaos and training and things like that. But that's what we're kind of going to go into with episode number two is some of your fundamentals and mark, marksmanship and this close quarter battle, the CQB that, that we've talked about in episode one as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to cover that uh, here shortly. But first, let's open up with a word of prayer. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time together. I uh, thank you for my brother Stephen and uh, just his ability to be able to to take take the the knowledge that we have that we're presenting at classes uh, or in real world operations and uh, be able to get it out to to a mass group of people who who might need to know it or want to know it or want to understand more exactly what we're teaching. Lord, we just ask that the most important thing would be you. We know the most important thing is you, but we ask that you would be glorified in this this podcast and that if anybody doesn't know you, that they would come to know you um, you know, through the small uh, influence that you give us. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We thank you for everything. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All, All right. right. Let's go with it. So we got the seven fundamentals of, mar- of marksmanship and close quarter battle. Let's talk about it. That's it. So seven fundamentals of marksmanship is something that's been used for for the military, for law enforcement, for, for any uh, sort of um, uh, uh, entity or agency that that has had to learn shooting or whatever since, you know, since anybody was shooting front of, I don't know where it came from, but I know I learned it when I was in the military. I learned it when I was in sniper school. Um, and anybody else you talk to, everybody's like, yeah, I've heard of seven fundamentals of marksmanship, right? Uh, some people will say the five fundamentals of marksmanship or even the six fundamentals of marksmanship because some of these things can be kind of sandwiched together. Uh, if you hear five fundamentals of marksmanship, normally what's sandwiched together is uh, grip and stance. Or if you hear six fundamentals of marksmanship, two of the things that are sandwiched together is sight picture and sight alignment. Uh, that's just lumped all into sights. So uh, some of y'all might have heard it uh, taught like that, but we're going to break it down into all seven. We're going to go over them and we're going to talk about uh, what they are and then how we can apply them to combat shooting, in particular, close quarters combat or close quarters battle, uh, because that's normally who we're training and working with. We do have those individuals that want to be a, like, hey, we want to go out and kill an elk at like a, a thousand yards or whatever. And we've had some some guys sending pictures back regularly. We build rifles for, do training for. The hey, I shot a mule deer at five hundred and sixty-five yards or whatever, and that's that's the greatest thing in the world for them. Um, which and we're super excited they get to do that. The fundamentals are the same for that, for the hunter, for the guy shooting a bow, for whatever. The fundamentals are the same. The application is is different. Uh, like when I used to work, I used to do contracts culling, culling animals, culling deer and pigs and all that stuff on like, you know, military bases. Uh, we did some in Guam. We've done it in uh, uh, 
uh, New Jersey and at, at Princeton, right at yeah. the at the college campus. I mean, you can do it all over the place. And uh, um, a good buddy of mine, Tony DiNicola, with uh, White Buffalo. That's that's what he works. He works the wildlife side of it. And part of that is uh, is marksmanship. National Wildlife Control Operators Association uh, is a nonprofit that that we are a five hundred one c three, I guess, that we work with that provides training for a lot of these guys who do that. And so that's a completely different mission set. But the skill set of marksmanship stays the same. So all that to say, that's why we cover marksmanship first. Uh, if you remember in the in the last podcast, I said, hey, you show up to an active shooter, here you're alive and you're a horrible shot, right? That is one of the non-negotiables. That's one of the things that we have to be able to do. We have to be able to shoot, right? Uh, if we show up to do a, a, a wildlife call, if we go to a, a long-range hunt and we've got all the greatest stuff, we've got all this gear, which we'll talk about in a later podcast, we've got all this cool guy stuff and, 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 and we, we've got a good zero on our gun and all that stuff, but... We miss the animal. Wow, all that money we spent and all that time we put out to 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 getting out to wherever it is we're hunting. I think one of the guys we were talking with was hunting up in North California, um, and he got his deer this year. Uh, if you show up and you're not able to shoot, everything else is irrelevant. That's right. So that's why that's that's why we start with the, the with marksmanship, the seven fundamentals of marksmanship, because shooting is the most important thing. Um, the first thing in the seven fundamentals of marksmanship is sights, in particular, sight picture and sight alignment. And it is in that order. A lot of guys ask, they're like, oh, you know, why, you know, what comes first, you know, the chicken or the egg, you know, which happens first, picture or alignment. Uh, sight picture happens first because it doesn't matter how good I am at sight alignment and then the rest of those fundamentals of marksmanship, if my sights are lined up on the target and I do everything else perfectly, but it's the wrong target, I'll never hit my target. That's right. So sight picture is the most important. What's my sight picture? Do I have the proper target in my sights? And then I can worry about sight alignment. Because if I'm trying to shoot the guy sitting beside you right here, Stephen Nix, there isn't a guy actually sitting over here beside him. But if there was, and I was trying to shoot him, yet my sight picture was on Stephen, he's hoping my sight alignment and everything else is off. Yes, right? yes I am. Um, so... Uh, that's kind of why sight picture is the most important thing. And we see that oftentimes and some of the, the military and law enforcement guys will laugh because they've seen it as we get at distance. Oftentimes what happens, a lot of times a person will be shooting, you know, one of the students will be shooting on the guy next to him's target because the targets are beside each other. They have an improper sight picture, right? And it's funny. And everybody that, that has been there and seen this done or maybe done it themselves, they know exactly what I'm talking about. So sight picture is vitally important. Then we have sight alignment. We've got to have our sights lined up properly to hit the target. For a pistol in particular, that's what we normally see people using iron sights for nowadays in our world, and then they're using optics on their, on their rifles. But for a pistol, we have our sights lined up. We call it equal height, equal light, front sight focus, and that's where we sit with our, our sights. With the rifle or, or, or the, uh, the weapon system we're using, whether it being a sniper gun, a, a, long, a long gun, uh, a, a close quarters battle rifle that's going to have a, a red dot or an EOTech, uh, EOTech or an aim point, which is a red dot, a holographic sight of some kind, right, which we won't talk about here. We'll probably talk a little bit about that in the gear or if somebody sends the question. Um, that that uh, rifle being zeroed, right? We have to have a good zero or a bow, right? We're starting some archery stuff. We've had a lot of archery questions with our company. That bow has to be zeroed. I have to know where those sights are sighted in at. Makes sense. And that more uh, more comes with the optic. Most of the time when you get iron sights from the factory, they're pretty much, you know, spot on on the uh, on the weapon system. Yeah. But for that rifle, that that optic being zeroed. 
Then the next thing we get into is trigger. Now, these two things are the very most important things. If you forget everything else you ever learn about shooting, the only two things that matter are sights, sights first, and then trigger. For my pistol, particularly, pressing that trigger in increments less than the weight of the gun. Now, we're not going to go into that in this podcast, but if you purchase one of the online pistol classes or you come take a class uh, with your agency or entity or, heck, you want to do a, you know, a, a private individual class, uh, you'll learn more about that in depth. But it's pressing the trigger in increments less than the weight of the gun. Most rifles have triggers that already weigh less than the, than the gun, but oftentimes what we see, especially as stress starts to happen, is we forget to throw our safety, right? That's especially yep. with the carbine, uh, and some guys are probably laughing that have experienced that before, whether you're shooting a match or you're in a stressful situation, you forget to throw the safety. Uh, so sights and trigger, the two most important things. Uh, the next thing, grip, right? We have to be able to grip the weapon system. Now, we can hold it upside down, sideways, gangster style, however we want, and we're still going to be able to hit the target. Go ahead and YouTube a video of Jerry, Malik, Jerry Mikuluk, uh popping balloons at like 400 meters, I think, holding his pistol upside down. Mm. It doesn't matter. As long as sights and trigger are utilized properly, we can hit the target no matter how we hold that weapon system. But what grip does help us with is maintaining sights and trigger faster. So everybody wants to go fast, like Ricky Bobby. I want to go fast, right? Um, and that's what we're doing when we start implementing grip. Stance also works with grip. Um, without going too much detail on it, though, we have, uh, for, the, for the tactician, we have plates. We have you know, body armor, and we want that armor toward the ta- target. So oftentimes uh, what we use is uh, what's known as an isosceles, right? Or uh, you know, you're going to stand and basically create um, one central point uh, aimed at the target, and then my two shoulders square and my hips square with that target because that allows my, my plates to be presented uh, or be at the target where the rounds are going to be fired at me. So uh, that's kind of how our stance works as it relates to CQB. And sometimes, again, grip and stance go together. Uh, so stance, being so we got tr- uh, sights one, trigger two, um, or I say sights one, really we have sight, sight picture, sight alignment, that's one and two, uh, trigger number three, grip number four, stance number five. We then have what's known as breathing, Right, and for everybody, they hear breathing, they think, (sighs) "Gonna break my shot." And sometimes, for the long gun shooters, that's oftentimes what happens. But in a CQB or combat uh, environment, basically, uh, don't be uh, a fat turd when you're going to do this line (laughs) of work. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. If you if you sound like you just ran a marathon when you climb out of your vehicle, uh, or the first time uh, you know you go hands on, or the first time you pick pull your your weapon out of your holster, whatever, that's a problem. Okay, so the more our heart rate goes up, the more our breathing gets up, the worse we get at things. And that's kind of what breathing's talking about, especially as get it relates your butt to butt in shape. Yeah, get in shape. You don't have to be a CrossFit god like yeah. my boy Josh Bridges, right? Shout out at Josh Bridges. <laughs> no. uh, but you don't have to be uh, some uh, world-class athlete. But you do need to be in some sort of shape. Otherwise, you're going to do what, 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 what Hartley always says, and that's vapor lock and die. Um, Mike Rebels, who will be on here later, he's the, 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 the operations officer of the company, right? Uh, great friend, uh, great uh, law enforcement officer, especially when it comes to going hands-on people. That's one of the biggest uh, things that he's always said is like, man, the problem is, is people are just 
under duress or law enforcement officers, that's his community, and even you know military, seeing it from my community, people are under duress just simply stepping out of their vehicle or all of a sudden when a situation starts getting a little crazy and they... <laughs> because they're not in shape, yeah. right? So that's breathing. That's breathing, and, and especially breathing as it relates to combat shooting. And then the fi- final thing is follow-through. Army Marksmanship Team, you can get online and watch them. Uh, I think yeah, they still have some videos on YouTube. But they can call their shots out to extreme distance, not because they see where the bullets, you know, bullet hole punches the paper, but because they're good at knowing everything they just did. Sights, trigger, grip, stance. Breathing, they, they go through all of that in a split second and they can know, okay, I did everything right, but my sights were to the left of the target. My shot's going to be, you know, probably about five inches left or whatever it is, right? So follow through is going through all those things that you just did really quick so you can know, did I hit so I can continue to hit, right? Because we want multiple shots on target. We want to continue to hit. Or did I miss so I can follow up with that next shot being a hit. Because everybody misses and everybody hits, understanding why I missed or why I hit is what separates bad shooters from good shooters and good shooters from great shooters. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's incredible knowledge, you know, obviously those seven fundamentals there. Uh, going back to the trigger, you know, you're, you're talking about putting some of that pressure you talked about the weight of the gun. Is there a certain amount of pressure that you want to put on that you want to pull when you're pulling that trigger? Yeah. So as long as you're when you squeeze the trigger, and again, if you you know if you come out and get into a class or, or, or get the online video, you can see this. But as long as you squeeze that trigger in increments less than the weight of the gun, so in particular, pistol, we've got a like a Glock. Glock's a common you know strike yeah. fire pistol people use. Um, the trigger's five and a half pounds from the factory. The gun is two and a half pounds or whatever okay. it is, like 42 ounces or something. So it's about two and a half pound gun, about a five and a half pound trigger. Which weighs more, the trigger or the gun? Right. Right? The, yeah. the trigger weighs more than the gun does, which means if I squeeze all five and a half of those pounds, that gun's going to move. Yeah. Right? I, I often use football as an example because I played football back in the day, and that's a, a good example, or a truck pulling something. Um, we, we have to press that trigger straight back in a minimum, 2.49 pound increments or whatever my, you know, less than whatever my gun weighs. So yeah. we squeeze that trigger in increments less than the weight of the gun. For our rifle, oftentimes what happens is our trigger is the same weight as the gun or a little bit less than the weight of the gun. So that's why if we slap the trigger on a rifle, we oftentimes don't see it, uh, see the, the problem that that creates um, like we do with the with the pistol, because that rifle weighs the same or is a little bit less. Uh, also, the rifle has multiple points of contact, which make it easier. That's getting into grip and some other things. But as far as that pressure we put on the trigger, yeah. it needs to be in increments less than less than the weight of the gun. And obviously, the the best way to, you know, I guess to uh, perfect this is just to train and practice. Oh yeah, that's the biggest thing. Just squeeze the trigger. You know, right. I mean, you don't even have to be shooting rounds. You know, if you're working trigger manipulation with a dry empty weapon system. Um, that's what a lot of guys do all the time. Jerry Mikulek, again, I use him because he's, you know, one of the fastest and one of the, you know, one of the best shooters in the world. Uh, when he set the world record for, uh, of the, uh, the, like a, a revolver pistol, the speed of a revolver, uh, shooting, you can look it up on, on YouTube. Uh, he had that same pistol frame, uh, in his vehicle, just, just a pistol frame with a trigger on it. Right. And he squeezed that trigger every day with a, like an hour ride to work and then every day with an hour ride home. So, um, yeah, just squeezing that trigger is what perfects your ability to being able to do that when, when you need to actually put rounds down range. Good. So we've talked about the seven fundamentals of mark, uh, marksmanship. Let's talk about some CQB or close quarter battle. 
You know, how can we use what we just learned in close quarter battle? Right. So, um, you know, we want to apply marksmanship to CQB. And I'm not going to get into every aspect of CQB because we don't want to, you know, you know I'm not a fool. You know, there's, there's probably people we don't want learning this sure. uh, that could be listening to this. So I don't want to give all of the, you know, trades uh, or the, the trade craft to the bad guys. Yeah. But just kind of in a nutshell, going over it, what we teach, um, one – We've got weapons, right? So the first thing of close quarters battles, we got weapons. Those those weapons are generally pistol and carbine for you know an operator, or a law enforcement officer, whoever going in. Uh, sometimes we don't uh, always have a carbine with us. That's why I do it in that order. And when we teach, we teach pistol first, then we teach carbine. Um, sometimes that guy will just have pistol, but most of the time, especially in a tactical world, we're going to have weapons, uh, pistol, carbine, and. Uh, our carbine is our primary, our pistols are secondary. Uh, then next, you're going to have um, your approach, right? So the approach consists of insert and containment, right? Again, this is team-related. You know, how are we going to uh, insert? What's our insert platform? We're using a, a helo. We, we foot patrolling. We're using vehicles. What's our insert platform, insert route, all those things? So insert and then containment. We've got to contain the target. What, what target are we uh, taken down in particular active shooter in a school how do we contain that school so that shooter doesn't run out and wind up you know going somewhere else and now we're spending hours clearing this school looking for somebody who's not even there right, right. so we've got to insert and contain properly right this is what sets the tone this is the first lick of the game right and so we have to do this properly because if we don't own the insert and if we don't own that target or contain it properly then we, we, we can, we won't always, but we can lose the initiative um, once we get inside the target. So we've got to have these things first before we can ever start clearing. And so that's insert containment. Uh, then next, we have what's known as our method, right? And that's going to be room-to-room clearance or direct to threat. I'm either clearing everything in the structure clearing all the rooms or all the spaces until all clear last rooms called out or until I find what I'm looking for, uh, or I'm moving as quickly uh, and as safely as I can to a specific point in time. And an active shooter, moving as quickly and safely as I can to that location where that active shooter is, where he's wreaking havoc. Um, if I'm you know, trying to you know, keep a principal safe or whatever, um, I am moving away from the bad area as quickly yeah. and safely as I can. Uh, so without going too much details on that, that's our method, right? Room to room or direct to threat. Yeah, right. I want to go back to the, the seven fundamentals of marksmanship. Mentally, how fast do you go through that? Oh, yeah, it should be like breathing. Yeah. I mean, it just happens, boom, 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 Like split seconds. Yeah, right. it should be because, half a split second. Because if, if you're in an active shooter situation, you know, and, and maybe you're going from room to room, I mean, you, you're constantly – that's going through your head, right? I mean, that's con- – I mean, it's, it's just – Well, I mean, it should be natural, right? right? You right. should you should be able to – that's why weapons is the first thing because if we don't know how to shoot, it doesn't matter, you know, that we had great direct-to-threat movement or great room-to-room clearance yeah. because we can't flip and shoot. Yeah. So when it comes time to do the one thing that we're there for, and that's to shoot somebody that's killing a bunch of kids or that's to shoot somebody that's trying to shoot me, uh, well, then, it's, then everything else is – for yeah. is worthless it's for naught you know and so that's why weapons is the most important thing it should be like breathing um and, and and that's why we have to understand those seven fundamentals of marksmanship and how to apply them to cqb yeah and that's part of simplifying the chaos because if i show up and i'm not confident in my ability to shoot 
that boom adds that 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 feeds that chaos. Yeah. Because it's already a scary situation. This guy's shooting at me, looking at him, shooting at me, right? Um, that already feeds that scary situation. So now my fundamentals start to go down. Yeah. Because I don't have confidence in it, or my ability to decide what I need to do in that situation starts to go down. Yeah. So the more you train, the less you have to think about it. It's more. It's, oh, it's like it's like getting on a bike. When you get on a bike to ride it, you just do it. Absolutely. But at the same time, it's got to be that proper training. I have to do those things properly because I can train all day long. But if I train and I still flip it, suck at shooting, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, um, so yes, that should happen like that. Boom, boom, boom. Just like breathing. Shouldn't have to think about that part of it. Uh, then we've got that approach. We've got to own that, that target. And guess what? You might already be there. You might already be at that target. You might already be in that situation. There is no insert and containment because you're here on the X making the magic happen right mm, now. That's right. Right? So um, then next, we got the method, room-to-room direct threat. Again, that might not take place because you might be there by yourself on the X right now. But as a team movement, we still have to uh, you know, get to the situation. We're responding to that situation. So oftentimes, that's what we teach. That's why it falls next in that, that order for a team. Um, then we have tactics. Guys think there's a million tactics out there. There's not. There's two, deliberate dynamic. I'm not going to talk about those. I'm not going to talk about what they are. Um, again, we don't want bad guys uh, you know, finding out too much of what we do, although most of them already, already know. You can probably you know, YouTube a lot of this stuff. Uh, then we have the next and probably the most important piece, in my opinion, for that individual um, on a team or who's working with somebody else in his unit as it relates to close quarters battle. And that's my individual responsibilities. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to go into those individual responsibilities in depth uh, because of the nature of what we're doing. But you as an individual have a responsibility to protect your buddy. Okay. Which means whatever my buddy's doing, I've got to trust him to do. Right, and whatever I'm doing needs to be done so it best protects my buddy, and he yeah. should trust me. I don't need to worry about my buddy, and this is most of the time what we see in the law enforcement community, not as much in the military community, but definitely in the military community that goes to the wayside. You've got that douchebag, freaking sergeant, who's sitting there. Hey, do this, do that. Put your gun there. Put it. It's like, dude, don't confuse your rank with my willingness to break your flipping jaw. <laughs> you know. If you're that guy, you need to stop being that guy. Or if you're that guy because your dudes aren't doing the right thing, you need to get them out of there and find somebody who will do the right thing that you can trust. Yeah. Right? Um, if you're worried about what your buddy's doing, either your buddy doesn't need to be there or you don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's oftentimes what we see where the wheels start to fall off the bus on CQB is you have too many people that are worried about what this guy's doing or too many people trying to control the entire situation as opposed to trusting what the, the guy next to him is doing, which means the person that's trying to control the situation is doing the wrong thing, which is oftentimes what we see, or the guy who they're worried about that they keep looking back to see is he doing what he's supposed to do shouldn't be there because he has a history of not doing what he's supposed to yeah. be doing. Yeah, and and you know the way you guys train, y'all set it up to where if you do your job and your responsibility, you shouldn't have to worry about anybody else. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Now uh, that doesn't mean that 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 everybody's perfect. Sure. But what that does mean is I know, come hell or high water, uh, my buddy Mike Rebels or my guy Stuart Hartley 
or guys that I served with back in the teams, not just guys I work with now, are going to do everything they can to make sure that their job is done. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about that. I need to do everything I can to make sure my job is done to best protect my body. And that's kind of what individual responsibilities uh, kind of revolves around. There are specific things that you have to do, which we're not going to talk about. Um, and there are only two specific things that you have to do uh, that we're not going to talk about in depth here. But individual responsibilities are on you. Everybody's like, oh, there's no I in team. There's no I in team. There's no I in team. Yeah, but there's a flip in me, yeah. right? And there's a you and you suck. And that's something we often say to guys. Yeah. Because the there is no I in team has now turned into coddling somebody who sucks and shouldn't be there. Right. Right? That starts to, it's it's kind of like uh, best case socialism, right? We're catering to the lowest common No, you shouldn't be here because you suck. There's right, there's no I in team, but there's a you and you suck. Yep. And you are bringing the team down. And so that's kind of one thing that, that, that we're big on with individual responsibilities is we cannot be catering to you just because you want to hang your hat on there's no I in team. Yeah. You know, there's no I in team only works when everybody in that team is working together for a collective goal, not when everybody on that team is working to bring up that lowest uh, individual. Now, with that being said, it might change a little bit with sports, and that's where I kind of get a little perturbed at guys who want to use like you know sport analogies as if they rotate over into combat analogies yeah. no there's a big difference when you're playing for points than when you're playing for your life yeah. there's a big difference and that doesn't mean those things can't cross over some but what that means is i want every advantage i can have right and what i don't need on my team is somebody who's bringing that team down as opposed to somebody who's bringing something to the team yeah you're because, never, it, I mean, it could cost you your life. I mean, It could cost you your life. You're only as good as your weakest link. That's right. It could cost my kids their dad. It could cost my wife her husband. Yeah. And that's oftentimes what we see, and that's the hard part with our culture a lot of times is, there's no iron team. Yeah, but you suck. And oftentimes the people who are barking there's no iron team are the ones who's dragging the team down, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, they, they don't like guys who are doing those individual responsibilities to build the team up. Uh, so... Uh, that's really what we see now nowadays more often than not that that really needs to go away. Yeah. At the same time, remember it is about the team, it's not about you. And so that's kind of the the balance you have to find in that individual responsibility. Good. Is there anything else you want to share with us uh you know about this episode really anything else with close quarter battle yeah so for the last two you've got rooms you've yeah. only got two types of rooms that's uh center fed rooms and corner fed rooms we're not going to talk in depth about those and then reactionary based movements you know cover and move right if my buddy's covering i'm moving if i'm covering my buddy should be moving and yeah. we're not going to really delve in too much in that but some fundamentals of marksmanship um sites those two sites break down into two things site picture site alignment yep uh, then we have trigger, grip, stance, breathing, follow through, and then seven fundamentals of CQB. You have uh, your your weapons. Number one, number two, you have your uh, um, method. Right? Or, or I'm sorry, your approach. Yeah, yeah, your approach. Then number three, you have your method. Number four, you have your tactics. Number five, you have individual responsibilities. Number six, you have rooms. There's only two types of rooms you're going to yeah. run into. And number seven, uh, you have uh, reactionary base movements. And under all of those things are two key points that we take away 
And we can all remember two things, right? So seven fundamentals, two key points to each, and that's known as the theory of twos. We call it theory of twos. Yeah. And that's pretty much it as our curriculum applies to what we do uh, in, in our world. Well, good, good. That's, I mean, that's incredible information, uh, especially, I mean, that, we, we, we plugged in a lot of information in 28 minutes. So, uh, and obviously we probably could expand it on some more of those things, but we kind of want to keep it to where you guys can get a lot of information in a short amount of time. So uh, we're looking forward to episode number three. I know we're going to talk a little bit about gear and if it really does make a difference. So, uh, but if you guys have not subscribed yet to this podcast, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button. You can leave us some feedbacks, leave a review, let us know how we're doing. Jerry, anything else you want to leave us with today? No, that's pretty much it. If you want to know more about this, if you're a law enforcement officer, uh, military member, we, you know, that's that's what we do. That's who we train, DOD and law enforcement. Um, shoot us an email. Uh, uh, most of our training emails, and you go to uh, mrebels. That's M R E E B A L S at theshootinginstitute.com with the training inquiry, and uh, he'll send you out a questionnaire so you can fill out if you want to. Uh, want us to expound on this or if you want us to bring this training to your agency. If you're an individual that wants training, uh, shoot an email also to mrebels at theshootinginstitute.com and just say, hey, I'm just a regular guy or I'm just an individual that wants private training and he will send you out a different questionnaire so you can fill out for, uh, for private individual training. That sounds good. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.